Welcome to the Bethany Covenant Church Sermon Podcast. We are a multi-generational community in Berlin, Connecticut. Our services are held Sundays at 9.30 a.m., and you can find out more about us at www.bethanycovenant.org. God, we thank you so much that you are a God who longs to be with us. And so as we uh, make our intention to come into your presence today, we know already that you are eager to meet with us. I pray that you'd bless this time in your presence, that you'd accomplish your purposes in us. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's good to see you all this morning, and I hope you enjoyed a, a wonderful time with family and friends over Thanksgiving. For quite a long time, a very long time, I have been, I've been an avid reader an avid reader. In fact, if you were to dig up some old family photographs, I'm sure you could see pictures of our family gathering around the meal table. And if I was anywhere probably from about age seven on, you could see me at the table and resting in my lap would be a book of some sort. I would just devour books. And around that age, especially seven to 10, I was especially into to nature books, wanting to learn about uh, animals and the woods and creation. And as I got older, about the time I was in high school, I was pretty heavily into uh, science fiction and fantasy. I went through a phase of really getting into uh, short stories that were science fiction. I loved how a concept could be developed just in the, in the span of 15, 20, or 30 pages. So I went through my short story phase. But then I really fell in love with stories that were developed over a long arc a long arc that would span several novels and form into series. And I love that these stories could be developed that would tell about what happened over not just decades, but centuries. Stories that included not just dozens, but, but hundreds of characters. I think sometimes we think of the Bible as a collection of short stories. It can seem like that. We think of the stories, the episodes in the Bible. We remember names and places, but they might seem to kind of stand alone. We think, of, we think of Adam and Eve and what happened in Eden. We think about Noah and the flood and his family. We think about Joseph and his brothers. We remember the story of, of the exile. We remember what it was like when David was king. Maybe we think of Jesus and we think of his life kind of as a series of episodes and anecdotes and encounters, we think of things in short story form. Maybe there are some uh, especially exciting or memorable uh, incidents from the book of Acts that you remember. And in your mind, maybe you have glimpses from this mysterious book of Revelation, images of what's told about there. But this idea of trying to put it all together might seem a little, might seem a little overwhelming. And it might feel like the Bible presents us a grab bag of events and places and names and happenings. So this is why I think it can be helpful for us to view the Bible, God's word to us, as, as an epic, as a saga that unfolds over time and over centuries. It might be hard for us, just like any major work, for us to keep everything straight, the names, the characters, the places but I think it's helpful for us to recognize that actually there is an arc to God's word. There's a story, there's a point, there's, an, there's a saga that unfolds over the pages of Scripture. There might be things that keep us puzzled. There might be big chunks of Scripture that honestly have never quite grabbed our attention. 
But I think it's helpful for us to see the Bible not just as an anthology of short stories, but as a work that God has put together to reveal himself to us. The Bible as a whole actually has a story to tell and a point to make. In this season of Advent that begins today, we're going to be taking a journey, a journey through the Bible as we see this saga unfold, as God's word is revealed to us, as we discover that there is, in fact, a guiding theme, an arc that spans this epic story of 66 books. We'll see in the weeks ahead that the Bible is a story of epic redemption. We'll discover people, people who find themselves very much in need of redemption. We'll discover a God who is creator, who also becomes savior of those very people whom God creates. I know that some of you have been participating in one of our adult formation classes uh, on Sunday mornings, a class led by David Giles. You've been looking at this book, The Epic of Eden, and this is a book by uh, Dr. Sandra Richter. She has taught biblical studies at Asbury Theological Seminary, alma mater of her very own Chris Logan. And uh, she's taught at Wheaton College, at Westmont College. Now, the aim of Dr. Richter's book is to take all these diverse people, places, names, and events of the Bible and to show that they'll may, they may seem disjointed, that they actually all fit they all fit into one structure of biblical theology that has God and God's intentions for creation as its foundation. If we look at the Bible as answering two big questions for us, who is God and what are God's intentions? Who is this God and what is God up to? As we dig into that saga and to those questions, we will find that we, each of us, as, as well as all humanity, are enfolded into that story. We are tied into God's intentions for God's creation. This book, The Epic of Eden, demonstrates that actually what happened in Eden is connected to what happened with Noah and the flood, connected to God's promises to Abraham, connected to the kingship of David and those who followed him connected to the people who encountered Jesus Christ. So I'm thankful to David Giles for teaching this class, and I'm glad that so many of you have been able to participate in that. And if you haven't, I recommend either attending the class or finding the book. It's excellent. A central premise of, Rick, of Dr. Richter's book is that the Bible tells an epic story of a God who chooses to covenant with the people God created. In other words, God likes to make promises and keep those promises. That's the kind of God whom we worship. And this God of covenant shows up early in the pages of Scripture. As we zoom in this morning on episode one of this epic saga, we'll take a look again into the Garden of Eden and what happened there. What happened between God and the people God created in God's own image. We'll be looking at selected passages from Genesis chapters 2 and 3. And this morning, I'm thankful for our creative design team who've given us an image of the lushness of Eden pouring out of the pages of Scripture. I'll read from Genesis 2, beginning in verse 4. 
This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not yet sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Here we see the first covenant, the first agreement in Scripture. A covenant is agreement between two or more parties that lays out clear uh, conditions and expectations between those parties. And here in Genesis 2, we see that God lays out the details for this covenant with humankind that is created in God's image. God would provide for people, that's God's part and responsibility, the people God created would be given the opportunity and the responsibility to work in creation and to care for it. They'd be given that opportunity and that responsibility to work at the very creation that God would give them as the means of their provision and sustenance. And so these people created in God's image were free, free to work, Free to enjoy creation. We're told that the trees were, were nice just to even look at. They were free to eat. The one condition in this covenant was that there was one tree whose fruit was forbidden. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And in the Epic of Eden, Richter writes, on the surface it seems like this is a simple rule. But in reality, this one edict encompasses the singular law of Eden. God is God, and we, humanity, are not. If humanity would simply acknowledge the innate authority of the, of the creator, would recognize that they were tenants and stewards in God's creation, they would live in paradise forever. But if they simply had to have access to every part of the garden, if they had to be free to choose their own rules and decide for themselves what was good and evil, if they had to be autonomous of the authority of their, of their creator king, then they would die. And we know the story that they chose autonomy. The covenant was broken and the curse was enacted. Now let's head back into our story before we jump too far ahead because We've been uh, speaking about humanity as they, but so far we've only met Adam. So we'll pick up in Genesis 2.18. The Lord God said, it is not good for this man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. 
So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. And this is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked and felt no shame. Now, if we go back to Genesis 1, we see kind of a parallel creation account. In Genesis 1, we see uh, a description uh, of poetic beauty that describes how God made everything that can be seen and unseen out of nothing. And we're told in Genesis 1 that God created human, humankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. And Genesis 2 provides a, a bit more detail, a little different slant on that creation story. But it's clear from Genesis 1 and 2 that man and woman were always part of God's original plan for God's image to be reflected in creation. Adam and Eve found themselves as co-regents, co-rulers in that garden, united as one. They enjoyed fellowship, companionship with one another and with God himself. We see that that was God's original intent. If a question of the Bible is, what's God up to? What does God intend? We see that here. That God's intent was that humankind would always be with one another and for one another and that God would be close to humankind. That all of them would enjoy fellowship and companionship. We read in Genesis 3, 8, that one day Adam and Eve heard the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Somehow God, though living spirit, was, was physically present in some way that allowed God's footsteps to be audibly heard. God was with them. God was among them. These two beloved creatures of the creator, Adam and Eve, were given in Eden three precious gifts, a beautiful, delightful land of rich provision, the gift of one another, and the gift of full access to their living creator God himself. As Sandra Richter puts it so eloquently in the Epic of Eden, this was God's perfect plan from the beginning. The people of God in the place of God in the presence of God. And so those people, given this idyllic, perfect setting, were left with a choice. Did they want this world, this creation, the way it was given to them? Or did they want, prefer, a world of their own making? Were they content with a world in which only God makes the rules? Now, as most of you already know, they ended up not being content to follow the rules the rule they were given. They chose to break the one rule and eat that fruit from the forbidden tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And with that action came the breaking of the covenant, the removal of many blessings that God had poured out on his creation. 
And Adam and Eve found the institution of curses in their place, which we read about in Genesis 3. If we go on to read about those impacts, the effects of the broken covenant, we would see that for Adam and Eve, life was about to get a lot harder. And life would continue to be hard for their children, for their children's children. Adam and Eve had chosen their own way, little realizing what that choice would fully entail. What life would look like without faithful reliance on their creator and obedience to him. Life would now involve not only tears, but a lot more sweat. Life would be denied intimate, fearless companionship with God himself. We read in Genesis 3, the Lord God banished them from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which they had been taken. After he drove them out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. Dr. Richter concludes, this final scene of the heartbreaking drama of the broken covenant is that the creator drives his children from his presence and that the place that Adam and Eve were privileged to protect is now protected from them. Humankind has lost their God, Yahweh, in a very real way. And now the people of God will live in exile both from his place and from his presence. The Hebrew word used for sent or banished as Adam and Eve are sent from the garden is the same word used for divorcing a spouse or disowning a child. This is strong language. This is really tough stuff. This is not some minor glitch, not a minor setback. This is a shattering brokenness of what had been perfect and beautiful and whole. A brokenness of covenant and relationship that caused ripples throughout all of human history that impacted creation itself. But here's a spoiler about the epic story of Scripture. Human sin, human failure, does not take center stage in this epic story. It's very much woven throughout. The impacts of human sin are very much woven throughout the pages of this saga. But the love of God and the redemption God provides to fallen humans is central to this story. God's intention was always to be with the people God created. And when the choices of Adam and Eve tragically impacted exactly what being with God could look like, God continued to be faithful. God was always faithful to himself, always faithful to God's plan. And so God created new ways to be with and to show that God was for those whom God loved. To the serpent who convinced Eve and Adam to eat the forbidden fruit and to throw off God's one restriction God said, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. God declares that day that the, the serpent might bite, but in the end, his head will be crushed. God has a plan because God's desire to be with the people God created has not ebbed. 
God didn't tell Adam and Eve, you know, I, I really want to be with you as long as you'll behave. But the moment you mess up, then my desire will, will shrink and shrivel. That's not what God said. In essence, God told these beloved creatures, I long to be with you. I delight in being with you. One minute at a time. But there is a difference that your behavior will make. Even in the tragic scenes at the end of Genesis 3 of curses and banishment, we see God's love and provision shine through. God provides clothes, coverings for Adam and Eve when they find themselves ashamed of their nakedness. God provides a plan that will provide for Adam and Eve and the generations that will follow them as they now find themselves outside of Eden, outside the confines of that garden. At the end of Genesis 3, episode 1 draws to a close, but the epic story continues. Would you join me in prayer? Loving and powerful, gracious creator God, we are in awe. We are in awe as we consider that we too, like Adam and Eve, have been created in your image. Father, would you help us reflect that image and live into that identity more faithfully? God, would you keep us strong when we find ourselves tempted to do things our own way, to walk down that path that Adam and Eve chose so long ago? God, we thank you for your love, your faithfulness, your provision, your presence. God, thank you for your tenacity in your drive and desire to be near us, to be with us, to be for us. God, we give you thanks as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.